Our study today is entitled, No Longer I Who Live. No Longer I Who Live. You might notice on the front of your handout there's an image. A caterpillar eating a leaf. And above that we have a cocoon. And above the cocoon we have there a butterfly. All right. We just sang this beautiful song about new wine, new power, new freedom. Today we're going to be studying about new life. Okay, new life. It's no longer I who live. If you turn your handouts, we have here a key text in Mark chapter 8, verses 34 to 38. And he, Jesus, summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone desires to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. How many of you have seen this passage before? How many of you have read this in the Gospels before? Okay. You might have seen in your Bibles that there's a a title above this little section, and it might say, The Cost of Discipleship, okay? There might be another um, heading that's there, The Cost of Discipleship. But there's so much more going on here than what we've been taught in the past. And I want to be just breaking down today what Jesus was talking about here. So it says that Jesus calls the crowd to him. And he gives them this command, okay? It is a command. He says, if anybody wishes, if anyone desires to come after me, okay? If any of you choose to follow after me, this is what you must do. The first thing says, you must deny yourself, okay? must deny yourself. You must take up your cross, and you must follow me. It's a command. Now, he's not commanding you to follow him. It all starts with something. He says, if anybody desires to follow me. So if that's you today, if you desire to follow Jesus, there is a command for you. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. Okay? But how do we do that? How do we deny ourselves? He goes on to say, whoever loses his life will save it. I'm like, what? That sounds weird. What do you mean if I lose my life, I'll save it? Um, Have you ever lost your phone? Yeah? You've lost your phone, and once it's out of your possession, what do you feel like? Out of control, you're desperate, you want to get it back, you want to save your phone, maybe. 
what are some other things, you know? How, but this is talking about more than just your phone. It's talking about your life. I mean, for some people, their phone is their life because everything happens on that phone. It's how they connect with the world, you know? So today, it's like whoever loses their phone... <laughs> Gain your life back. Real life. Not your technological life, but real life. Real friends, real connections, real conversations. Okay? But here Jesus is talking to a people, and he lets them know, listen, you got to do this. And then he starts the next sentence with four. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it for the sake of Christ and for the sake of the gospel. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Who here wants to save their life? Like, in all honesty. Yeah. Like, come on, who doesn't want to save their life, right? When life's going rough and you just want to have a more comfortable pillow to sleep on at night, you know? Maybe you just want to have a little bit more food in your fridge. You know, what are some of the ways that we try to save our life here on earth? We try to get more money into our bank account, right? Let's be honest. This is what we do. We go to work. Why? The motivator is so you could get paid. Let's be honest. Some of you might like your work, yes. But I know a lot of you are not going to work for free, right? You got to get something out of it. So you go to work, and the motivator is this little reward at the end. If you work, you get money in your bank, right? Your paycheck. What are some other ways we try to save our life here on earth? Now, I just started exercising again, praise God. There's energy that's come back to my life, and it feels good to exercise. And the reason I wanted to exercise was because I was really starting to get really out of shape, okay? And I was having difficulty again trying to keep up. So I said, you know what? I got another kid on the way. I want to be around for my family, you know? So let me exercise again. So I start to exercise. And sometimes when I'm running or when I'm on that elliptical and I'm going, I'm like, wow, you know, some people do this all day long. They just keep exercising, exercising. They go to the gym for hours on end trying to save their life because they want to keep a body that's supposed to get older, but they want to keep it looking like muscular as though they're still in their teens, you know? And they spend their whole life trying to save their physique because if you don't got your physique, what have you got? That's what the world says, right? What else? Some people try to save their reputation, right? It's like someone's saying something bad about you and you try to fight back or find a way of clearing your name. You care about your reputation. And Jesus says, whoever loses your life will save it. What is Jesus actually calling us to do here in denying ourselves? What is he calling us to do here? You see, this paradoxical saying reveals an important spiritual truth. Those who pursue a life of ease, comfort, and acceptance by the world 
will not find eternal life. All right? Everybody wants to have this sense of belonging. Everybody wants to have a sense of significance, a sense of security. They want their life to count for something. Everyone's living their life so that they could leave a legacy behind when they leave this world, okay? And it's all about them. That's my son. I love him. So we seek for acceptance in the world with our own vain glory, and we try to seek comfort and safety. I mean, who wouldn't want that? Yet Jesus calls us to deny ourselves of that. Is there anything wrong with comfort? No. Is there anything wrong with um, a large bank account? No. Okay. Is there anything wrong with feeling safe and secure in a relationship? No. What is Jesus asking us to do here? I mean, we could read through scripture, read a passage like this, and it makes no impact in our life. But friends, we've got to pay really close attention here. Why? Because Jesus is giving a command. And if we call ourselves Christ followers, and our, our leader is giving a command then we ought to listen. And he doesn't leave us hanging with the command. He says, for whoever desires. Every time it says for here in this passage, it means because. Okay? He's, he's grounding his statement. He's like, this is why I have this command. Okay? Because if you try to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake and the gospel's sake, you will find it. What does it mean to lose your life? We got two things here. Something that we call a denying self and the denied self. Okay? What's the difference between the denied self and a denying self? The old denied self looks at the opposition, the shame, looks at suffering and death that Jesus calls for. And that old denied self says, no way, I will not do that. You see, the old self loves human approval. They love human honor. They love the comforts of this world. They love their life more than they love Jesus. Let's get honest today. You don't have to put up your hands, but this is some serious talk, guys. Is there anything that you love more than you love Jesus? Be honest. It's easy to say that we love Jesus more than anything, but the way we live our life will prove different. We give more and sacrifice more for other things we're willing to suffer for the approval of our significant one. So you serve your significant one. Why? Because they say, I'm mad at you. Imagine your partner says, I'm mad at you. What do you do? How will I make them not mad at me anymore? Why are they mad at me? And all of a sudden, you're serving this person. They have all your attention. All you care about is being approved by them. 
You, you need to be loved by them. And you're a mess. And the person says, I don't love you anymore. What happens to you? Whether you're a woman or a man, and you hear, I, how could I have ever loved you? I've never loved you. What does that do to you? You're being denied by somebody else. And you die inside just a little bit. What do you mean you never loved me? I invested so much. I gave you my time. I gave you my money. I gave you the best years of my life. What do you mean? And we live denied by this world. But what we crave, we, we, we have this craving, a sense of belonging, a sense of significance, a sense of security. And we try to look for that here in the world. Friends, there is nothing in the world that could provide all of that for you. Temporarily, maybe. For a little time, you might feel accepted. You might feel like you belong somewhere. But you work hard to try and stay there. So what do you do? You conform to the patterns of a certain culture so that you'd be accepted. You don't want to be left out. You want people to, you, you don't, um, you don't stir the waters or rock the boat. You just want to fit in. So you change yourself to fit the mold because you're afraid of being denied by other people. Is this true? Yeah, that's human nature. You know, It doesn't mean that you have to operate that way all the time. And what Jesus is calling us to do is calling us to give up this fear that other people won't accept us. Okay? So the old self says, no way, I can't do that. It's too hard. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to follow Jesus in that way. We say we want to follow Jesus because we want the life, right? We want his power. We want his help, right? So we say we follow him, but do you actually follow him? if you're still trying to gain the acceptance and the love of this world, okay? But the new denying self, the other self, the new denying self says to the old world-loving self, hey man, you look yourself in the mirror and you say, hey man, you're not in charge anymore. Look at yourself in the mirror and say, you're not in charge anymore. I love Jesus and his gospel more than I love life. Why do people not want to follow Jesus sometimes? They're loving their life too much. And they're like, wait, I have to give this stuff up if I'm going to follow Jesus? Yeah, Jesus said, deny yourself. You want to follow me? First thing, deny yourself. It's a good thing, you see. Jesus is saving you from a whole lifetime of heartache if you would just deny yourself. Because he knows that if he lets you go, continue going down that path you've been traveling, bits of you and parts of your heart are just going to keep breaking off bit by bit. And he's trying to save you from all that heartache. He wants to save you from all that pain. So he says, deny yourself wholeheartedly right now, just... Leave it behind. 
that doesn't matter. Okay? Compared to loving God, loving Jesus, and loving his gospel, the new self says, I am ready to deny myself and take up my cross. So the new self denies the old comfort-craving self who tries to save itself by avoiding the cross. You know what that's like? I mean, come on, we've all been there, haven't we? We avoid the cross. We don't want to have to face ourselves. We don't want to have to face our old self that we need to give up, right? So we avoid it at all costs. We just want to have a comfortable life here on earth. Some people don't want to take the risk with Jesus because it's going to turn their world upside down and they're like, after they've accepted Jesus, they've been baptized, they declare his name, then they're like, a few months in, I didn't sign up for this. Maybe they were following a cultural Christianity, but they weren't actually following Jesus, you see. I know that was me, you know? Time after time, I, I kept trying to convince myself that I was following Jesus, but I knew somewhere deep down inside that I wasn't, you know? I knew deep down inside that I was wanting to follow him, but for some reason, I just couldn't deny myself completely. What are you hanging on to? What are you hanging on to that's so important? Sometimes we'll even give up the big things and we'll hang on to the little, little tiny things because that's the only thing that tethers us to who we believe we are. We hang on to the little things that are easy to hide, you know? But even that little tiny thing could keep you from following Jesus completely. Jesus didn't ask for a little bit of your heart today and a little bit more tomorrow and a little bit next year. He said, listen, you want to follow me? Give me your whole heart. Deny yourself. Don't hang on to the little pleasures of this world. They don't satisfy. I mean, come on, guys. I know I'm not alone here. You give in just a little bit and you taste that old self again and you're like, oh... Oh, I miss those days. It brings you back, you know? You know, the sense of smell is so strong. It's so linked to your memory that when you smell something and it reminds you of something, your whole memory just kind of floods back. It's the strongest sense that's tied to our memory. For years, I was a smoker. I was a smoker. And there are certain days, like today in the fall, where it's chilly outside and... Um, the leaves are there, and sometimes people burn their leaves, and there's nothing better than standing outside in the nice cool air and having a nice long drag of that cigarette. And then you watch the smoke go up from your mouth, and you're almost like, oh. And while I'm smoking, I'm praying to God, and I'm lifting up my prayer. And I imagine my prayer is like that smoke that goes up in the sky. <laughs> Holy smokes. <laughs> you know, but times like that, it just takes you back a little bit. And for a while, I used to come out of a restaurant after a meal, and my, my, 
ritual after a big heavy meal was to go outside, have a cigarette before I get in the car, right? So now I come out of a restaurant, I remember that full feeling, and I smell somebody else's cigarette. And I'm like, oh, I miss that smell. <laughs> you know? And it's like, oh, man, that's even my brand, man. <laughs> like, that's my cigarette, you know? Like, and it's, it comes back, and there's that little part of you, and, and then I go to bed that night, and guess what? I dream. I dream that I'm smoking. And then I wake up, and then guess what? I feel guilty that I had a dream about smoking. But why? I mean, it's such a silly thing, and it seems like such a small thing, but it reminds me of my old self. Imagine the relief when you wake up and you realize, okay, thank you, Lord, it was just a dream. And I use cigarettes because, you know what, it, it was a, a big addiction for me. There were other addictions as well. But when those little voices come back and they want to just make you feel like you're not really where you are, you're not really following Jesus, you still want me. You still need me. You can't live without me. Maybe that cigarette in your life is a person a bad relationship you just couldn't let go of. And that voice is still saying, oh, look at you. You're trying to get on with your life. You can't live without me. That's what the devil does, friends. He tries to trick us. He tries to entice us and play on our desires. That's why before Jesus gave this command, what did he say? If anyone desires to follow me, this is my command. Are you really following Jesus if you don't even desire to follow him? Maybe that's why you feel like you're not following him. Because the desire is not even there. We're still playing with our clubbing days, you know? <laughs> clubbing days. Come on, Chris. You know. You know. Disco. Disco. <laughs> that's Uncle Manny. Disco. Aging you, man. <laughs> You know, and we think these are like fun times. These are good things we want to do, you know. Deny yourself, take up the cross, and follow him. So the new self denies the old comfort-craving self who tries to save itself by avoiding the cross, not wanting to lose the soul and wanting to save the soul are actually two sides of the same desire, and it's a valid motive. Do you want your soul to be saved? Yes, then lose it. Because when you lose it, you will find it. We're going to get back to this point in a bit, okay? Let's go on to what Jesus says after. Deny yourself. He says, take up your cross. What does that mean? Three little letters. Die. Deny and die. Why would you want to follow Jesus now? <laughs> If you want to follow me, first of all, deny yourself and die. And then you come follow me. What? See, back, at that, back in that time, the cross was, uh, this, this cross was a, 
this torture. It was a death sentence. It was the electric chair of its time. It was the worst form of punishment. Because even before they get nailed up and hung up on a cross, guess what happens to them? They're beaten. They're flogged. And they're, they're hanging naked up there. And they're exposed, completely vulnerable for everybody to see and spit on and shout insults and taunt them as they walk a path of shame, a road of shame. So there's an opposition, you see, because the opposition, let's go to the study. It's a cross was used to execute criminals who had the state of Rome in opposition to them. Okay? So they were criminals. And this is an execution. There was shame associated with the cross. This execution was reserved for the worst criminals, and the victim was usually naked on a cross for hours leading up to their death. And then there's the suffering, the suffering associated with the cross. This kind of execution was designed to prolong excruciating pain. Do you know what it's like to suffer? You know, kids today think that suffering is no Wi-Fi. <laughs> and your laughter tells me that it's not just children. <laughs> You're suffering without it. Where's, because, you know, it's not just Wi-Fi, you see. It's your connection with everything. Where's my Netflix? Where's my Facebook? Where's my Instagram? No, I don't want to pay for extra data. Suffering. What a hard life. Slow Wi-Fi buffering. Loading, loading. <laughs> what have we come to, hey? Look at humanity. Freaking out over Wi-Fi. But when we talk about suffering, okay, this kind of execution was designed for prolonged, excruciating pain. If you've ever suffered with an illness that caused pain, in your body and you knew and I'm not talking about a little headache here and there I'm talking like pain your nerves are on fire you can't control it there, it's that's suffering are you willing to suffer for Christ's sake suffering is not pain-free it's not an inconvenience some people think it's inconvenient to follow Jesus because Bible studies at the same time as a basketball game. It's just inconvenience. But to suffer for Christ, he's saying, take up your cross, man. Die to yourself. The world will oppose you when you follow me. The world will hate you when you take up my name. Opposition. The shame. <laughs> you are vulnerable before God. He knows you and sees you completely. And the world will hate you even though you are loving God. People will try to say, you don't really love God. I know you. I know the life you've lived. I know the choices you make. And they judge you based on your old self. You know, there are some celebrities recently that have just given their life to Jesus. And I'm, you know, everybody has their own opinion about it. But I'm like, hold on, these people are declaring Jesus, first of all. I'm going to pray for them. 
I'm going to pray for them more because they're at the infancy stages of their walk with Christ. And the world is going to try really hard to take away that platform from them so that Jesus' name will not be spread. Pray for them. You could be like, oh, no, really, that guy, he became a Christian, and now he's got this, like, Jesus album out and everything. Oh, he's just doing it for the money, and everyone's trying to shame him based on who they knew him to be. Is that fair? Imagine if everyone that you knew was trying to do that with you because you chose to, to follow Jesus. You're not really a Christian. I know you. Come on, another drink. Come on, let's go have a wild night. Come on, who cares about your wife? You know? Yeah, you'll be shamed by by this world. And that's okay. Take up your cross. There's suffering. There's pain. Why? Because imagine, if you try to tear anything away that's been part of you for so long, it's painful. Have you ever had a, a Band-Aid there to help protect a vulnerable spot on your body? You get a cut, you're left vulnerable, what do you do? Slap on a Band-Aid. The Band-Aid's there, it's protecting you, you feel safe, everything's good. You grow so accustomed to having that Band-Aid on you for the day, what happens when you go to peel it off? Rip! Ah, painful, what a masakit. Masakit. It's um, painful. Ouch. Yeah, when you try to tear away these things that are no longer needed, that's the thing. See, God wants to heal you, right? But we try to comfort ourselves with the things of this world, and we apply the things of this world to ourselves while we're asking God to heal us. But when those things are no longer needed, guess what? There's a painful process. It's time to tear away all those things of the world that are not needed anymore. Because when true healing occurs, God says, you don't need those things anymore. I'm going to tear that away from you. I'm going to tear out all the evil, all the selfish desires that you have inside you. I'm going to tear that away, and it's going to be painful. But because you choose to follow me, and because you've denied yourself, this is part of that death process. It could be excruciating at times. Because you don't want to give it up, but you know that it's all for the best. Then, of course, there's death. The aim of crucifixion was death. Not torture followed by release. Ain't anybody gone up there to the cross, been tortured, and then they said, okay, you're free to go. Mm -hmm. Death was the final Mm -hmm. word with the cross. Now, I believe, friends, Jesus is not asking us to do anything that he himself hadn't done. He denied himself. He took up his cross, and he died. I've heard some people say, oh, well, you know, Jesus is God, so he didn't really die. What's the big deal, they say? Jesus died, friends. He gave up his life. You know, whether or not he actually lost his breath or whatever, he was willing to die. That's why he went through everything. I'm not here for a scientific debate. Okay? I'm here to talk about who Jesus was on the inside. 
He was willing to die. He was following his father. He was following the plan. He denied himself. He was shamed before mankind. He was humiliated. He was opposed. He suffered. He didn't need the acknowledgement of this world. He didn't need the world's approval. He didn't need the greatest reputation. It's, the Bible tells us the Son of Man had no place to lay his head. He didn't need the comfort. He didn't need the ease. You still want to follow Jesus? You will lose your soul if you try to save it by cross avoidance. There is zero profit in owning the entire world since that cannot save your soul. There's no amount of soul-saving effort, no amount of soul-saving effort will work if your effort is aimed at getting as much of this world as you can. Because nothing, absolutely nothing in this created universe can purchase the soul back from eternal loss. There's a, a verse here in Luke 23, verse 46, that records Jesus' final words. Jesus' final words as he hung up on that cross before he departed this earth. With his last breath, he looked to the heavens and he said, Father, Who's he talking to? Father God. He says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he breathed his last breath and he died. Anybody here afraid of death? Maybe a little. Jesus doesn't call us to do something that he did not do himself. And he showed us that in his dying breath, when he committed his spirit to his father, he showed us an example of what he's asking us to do, friends. See, Jesus couldn't raise himself from the dead. The dead can't do anything. When you're dead, you're dead. There's no life. That's what death is. No life. But Jesus gave up his spirit. He gave up his soul. He gave up his life force in his last breath. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. If Jesus couldn't raise himself from the grave, friends... How did he raise? Father God raised him from the grave. Father God gave him that new resurrected life. Father God and God's spirit came and worked in Jesus to raise him from the grave. He who loses his life will find it, will save it. When you lose your life for Christ's sake and for this gospel message, friends, you will have new life. 
Jesus is the example for that. You know, there's a, a story in the Bible that Jesus told. He, he taught in parables, right? And there's a story called the prodigal son, right? And why did Jesus tell this story in the first place? I'm not going to go through the whole thing, okay? Long story short, there's this... A father has two sons. One of them stays home. The other one wants to enjoy the pleasures of this world. And he says, give me my inheritance. I want to spend it on this world. I want to go party. I want to make friends. And he used everything that was given him by his father and used it to uh, make new friends, to gain, to be, have a better reputation. Oh, you don't like me? Let me buy you something. Now you like me, you know. Um, sometimes that's what we do, okay? We try to buy people's loyalty, buy people's affections, buy people's approval, okay? And he takes everything his father gave him and spends it on this world. Once all of that runs out, the son comes back and he's like, oh no, I'm with the pigs, I'm suffering. I had it better in my father's house. Let me go back home. And he goes back home and he, what he says to his father is, Father, I have sinned against you, I have sinned against heaven. Just let me come and work in your house. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Just let me be a servant in your house. He denied himself. And he placed his life at the mercy of his father's hands. That's the same thing God is asking us to do, friends. Deny yourself. Don't go running off like the prodigal son and try to spend everything that God has given you, your breath, your talents, everything that you are. Don't go spend it on this world trying to gain their approval. Why? We were created for God's glory, not our own. That's vain glory when we live that way. The old self will continue to live that way. But when you desire to follow Jesus, you will deny that way of thinking. You don't need his or her approval anymore. You don't need to belong to that particular access group. You don't need to get more likes on Facebook or Instagram. You don't need that affirmation from the world. Who cares? Please stop watching the likes on your Facebook thread. I'll tell you, sometimes I accidentally press the button. I don't like it but I don't want to hurt you, so I leave my thumbs up there. <laughs> Why? Because in eternity, it really doesn't matter. Okay? Please, please. We laugh and we giggle because that's good, because I'm making you uncomfortable. Okay? And I want you to feel a little uncomfortable today. I want you to, to feel that because if you're living that way, still seeking man's approval, you don't have to live that way anymore, friends. I mean, Jesus came to free us from that bondage. He came to free us being enslaved to the desires of this world. You don't need that anymore. He says, desire to follow me. Give up everything. Die to yourself and follow me. When we willfully die to ourselves and submit our spirit to Father God, he raises us to new life, to new life in Christ Jesus. Do you believe Jesus was raised from the grave? Yes. Do you believe Father God resurrected him? That same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that comes to give you new life as you choose to deny yourself today and put to death your old self. 
And when you die, guess what? Father God brings you new life by his spirit, the spirit of Christ. And his spirit comes and starts to live and dwell inside you. And he starts to change you and transform your life. Does that mean life's going to be easy? No. Some people think, well, I accepted Jesus. I should get a better job. I should get a better this and that. They're still looking for the comforts of life. The prosperity gospel is gross. It's gross because it makes a mockery of the gospel of Jesus completely. Jesus didn't say, follow me and everything's going to work out all right for you right, right now. Everything's going to be perfect. No. He told his disciples, you follow me, the world will hate you. You follow me, I won't. I love you too much to leave you where you are, conforming to the ways of this world. I want you to be transformed with a new mind, a new way of thinking, a new way of living. Okay? And this is what God wants for all of us. If you are sick and tired of your day in, day out, every day ho-hum, I am done with this world, you, you just die to it because it really doesn't have anything to offer you compared to what God has promised you. Okay? I'm not very eloquent when I speak. I know that, but I have such a, oh man, I have such a heart for, I have such a heart for people that I know are still struggling and suffering, and you know what? I don't have a heart for you because you're struggling and suffering. I have a heart for you because you feel like you're in despair and you can't make it. I have a heart because you feel like it's impossible and you'll never get there. And those are all lies. I hate it when people lie. More so, I hate it when people lie, lie to my family. Because <laughs> if my kids start believing the lies of this world, and they can't know God's truth. Oh, the heartache. You know what it's like. You know what it's like to see somebody suffering and they feel like there's no hope and there's no way. That's what the devil wants. He wants you to believe lies. So when you deny yourself, guess what? You're denying the lies of the devil. When you die to this world, you, you give this up, you give up this life, and you put your, your spirit in, and you commit your spirit into God's hands, guess what? It's no longer you that lives. It is Christ that lives in you. So stop trying to act like yourself all the time. Because God doesn't, he didn't give you new life for for you to be glorified. He gave you new life so he could be glorified. And the only way that's going to happen is when we allow Christ to come in and stir up something fresh and something new and something life-giving. That's my prayer all the time. How could we remain the same? It was Halloween this week. And you drive around the streets and you see like skeletons and cobwebs and witches and all this and that. And yeah, it's a cultural, Canadian cultural celebration. I get it. And it's glorifying death. And kids get candy and everyone has a good time. I'm not one of those preachers that gets out there to talk about the demons of Halloween. You know, sometimes it's just all in good fun. That's what people say. 
But we could be so gung-ho about something like that just so our kids get a little bit of candy. So, you know, some parents aren't even trick-or-treating with their kids. They just get them a costume so that they could post a picture of their child on Instagram and get more likes. Look how cute my kid is. Wearing masks. Wearing masks. Halloween glorifies wearing a mask. And we're okay with that. We hide behind that mask. We're afraid to, um, I mean, every day is Halloween, isn't it? Everybody walks around wearing masks. It would be such a painful thing when you have to remove that mask and face yourself in the mirror. Because you're getting honest with yourself. You're being vulnerable. You're left vulnerable and exposed. And the shame that you have to face because you know you're not living in the way of Christ, that's shame. Death isn't the final word. Jesus is the final word. And he knows how difficult it is for us to face ourselves in our ugliness. So when we die to ourselves, we read all across the New Testament, die to the old self and take up your new life. Put on Christ. He doesn't want to leave you exposed in your humanity. He wants to elevate you as a citizen of heaven, as a child in his family, a believer in his kingdom. He says, put on Christ. That's how God takes away our shame. Why? Because if they taunt you and make fun of you and say you're not a real Christian, it's no longer you that they're talking to. They're doing that to Christ. That's why in the church we don't judge each other. Why? If we judge each other and Christ is alive in you, if Christ is alive in one person and I come along and judge that person, I am putting Christ's name down. I mean, this study could go so many ways. I don't even know, you know? There's just so much here. We could talk about this forever, but I don't want to keep talking about it. I, wanna, I wanna, want us to start living it. I want us to start experiencing what it means to, to deny ourselves daily and take up a cross daily and follow Jesus daily. So to follow God's command... Deny, die, and devote. Following Jesus versus being ashamed of Jesus. Refusing the cross and thus trying to save our lives in this world is pursued mainly by amassing as much prosperity and protection as we can. I know a lot of people that work in insurance. It's a good and noble profession. I get it. Um, I have a little bit of insurance for my vehicle. You know, like there's nothing wrong with it. 
But sometimes we become so nervous about life that we get every type of insurance possible. You know, we want to make sure we're protected. If anything goes wrong, you know, I got a backup. You know, and um, that's another way we try to save our life. Okay. Um, the prosperity. You know what? I'm not gonna lie. I have joined a few different multi-level marketing things, and I'm okay with that. I don't do it for the money. I do it because I really like the products, and I get it at a a price that I could afford. So I joined these different companies and people think you're just trying to make money. I'm like, I'm sorry that making money is part of what business is, <laughs> but that's not my motive, okay? Like, and people try to criticize me. They're like, you know, if you're a true Christian, you won't join a multi-level marketing job. I'm like, what? Why? They're like, you know, if you're in multi-level marketing, you'll lose your friends. What? I'm trying to help my friends, you know? And I've been judged, my wife and I have been judged by a lot of people, and they think, well, you know what? You guys just, you're so well off, you don't know what it's like to suffer. I'm like, I'm not even going to try and fight them. I don't care about my reputation. I'm not in charge of how other people see me. I know the truth of how I'm living, you know. And the real thing is, it's not the multi-level marketing or the insurance or all these things. That's not why people don't like me. People don't like me because I love Jesus. I don't care if you like me or not. doesn't matter to me. I'm following Jesus. And part of that is the oppression and the opposition that I face from the people of this world. Once again, it's not about me. As I follow Jesus Christ, guess what? Jesus Christ, he didn't need man's approval. And it's no longer I that live, it's Christ who lives in me. And as long as I'm following him, and I've already died to myself, why am I going to try and resurrect my dead self? I can't do that. But as long as we're in this world, we're going to suffer. We're going to be judged. We're going to be hated. The deepest hindrance to following Jesus is not even the love of money. It goes so much deeper. See, money is only a material means to our deeper craved emotion. What we really want to avoid is being humiliated, being disrespected, being shamed. And what we really want is to be honored, praised, and made much of. You know, a newborn baby... A newborn baby has it the best, don't they? They haven't done anything. All they did was pop out of their mom, you know? They haven't done anything, and everybody's making such a big deal about them. Oh, they're so cute. Oh, they smell so good. Let me take a picture. Oh, selfie, you know? I want to be seen with the baby. It's like a celebrity. And the baby hasn't done anything yet but the baby is being cared for. 
the baby is being praised just for being alive. There's so much joy that comes to people when they're faced with this newborn bundle of joy. When you are born again into the family of God, friends, you better believe all of heaven is making a big deal over you. All right? They're looking at you like the newborn baby in the family. Look at, oh, look at Manny, so cute, you know? <laughs> and, and they make such a big deal of it, you know? And the beautiful thing about that is when we're in God's family, guess what? Because it's Christ that's alive in us, guess what? It's God that's being glorified. All right? All of heaven rejoices, and God is making a big deal over you when you decide to accept him as your Lord and Savior, as your King, as your Father. Oh, man, heaven's rejoicing, and the whole family is rejoicing with you. You are not alone. You don't need the acceptance of this world. Why? Because you're accepted by God. You don't need to belong to the best clubs or the perfect church. Why? Because you belong to God. Okay? Stop living in fear that, you know, people are not going to like you too much, you know? I don't know. Devote yourself. How many of you watch the Raptors? I'm not saying follow them, but you watch the game, right? Yeah, you watch. Come on. We're the champions. If, if you weren't watching before last, you know, if you weren't watching before last year's uh, finals, you're, you're definitely watching now, okay? If you're part of Toronto, you're going to watch Raptors now. Okay. I'll be honest, I didn't watch every game. I used to enjoy sitting at home watching the game on the, my screen, you know, but then when the championship came, I was like, wow, dude, I was there. Like, I was a devoted fan. You know, and then I started to follow them and I started, I'm like, what's going on here? I'm not a sports guy at all, you know, but for some reason here I am, I'm following them, I'm watching them. They caught my attention. You know why they caught my attention even more? Because they're the winners. They're the champions. They're the victors, right? And all the other people that were once high and mighty here in this world, all the other teams, guess what? You're not paying much mind to them anymore, right? It's all kind of gone. Guess what? With Jesus, he's the victor. He's conquered over death. He's conquered over this world, okay? I mean, like, Jesus is the victor. Has he got your attention? Are you watching him? Are you following him? Are you being devoted and giving your time, your attention to him? If we could do it for a sports team, they might lose this year. I don't know. I believe they're going to take it. You know, I believe Siakam's there. But, uh, <laughs> you know, um, but anything could happen. But with Jesus, guys, you know what? He never loses. All right? Because death doesn't have the final word. Jesus is the final word. Okay, so if you want to follow Jesus because he's the victor, he's the winner, he has conquered over the grave, okay? And because of his loving Father, Father God, who gives us life day by day, together, Father and Son are giving you their spirit to dwell richly within you, 
to give you this new life every day, do not take it for granted. If you want to follow him, deny, die, and devote. Amen? May God bless you. May he guide you in all things. I believe he's with you. His peace will always go with you. He lives in you. Amen. We need to encourage each other more, remind each other more of who we are, this new creation, and that it's Christ that dwells in us. May he be revealed, may he be glorified, and may you be blessed.